Yo, 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 what's going on with y'all? It's your boy Money Making Marlo. I got a special guest with me here today. Who do I have with me today? Hi, my name is Dr. Rodel Seacat. Uh, I am a sports chiropractor. I have practice in the West End, and uh, it's uh, great being here today. Okay, okay. Yeah. First thing I want to ask you before I get into the questions I ask everybody is, how are you feeling? Great, I love it. Okay. I'm excited to be here. Love uh, meeting new people, yes, uh, especially uh, in this type of situation. Uh, uh, I love uh, you know helping uh, young guys like yourselves uh, get to kind of become a mentor and, exactly. and to kind of uh, help you guys out whenever you need to. So okay, yeah. okay. How's how's your week been? How's your week been? Good. You know, it's uh, it's been good. You know, I've got uh, my practice in the West End. Um, COVID's always like around, so you kind of have to go with the flow. Don't uh, let you know the different types of, of laws and up and bylaws kind of get to you. You know, don't get like the negativity affect you. Mm. You just try to stay positive, keep a positive mindset, and and uh, remember that you're blessed in this country. Exactly. It, you know. So has has COVID kind of affected the way you've been working? Have you had to make specific type of schedules for certain type of patients or anything like that yeah actually i have like my my practice pre-covid was primarily um like walk-in and um people would call we'd have a packed house patients would be sitting there i have massage therapists physiotherapists and myself as as the the chiropractor in the office and everybody really didn't mind being close together or people passing in the hallways nowadays uh, we don't do any walk-ins anymore, which was a, a big part of my practice uh, as well. Um, we have to limit the amount of people in the office too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we really maintain you know, safe distances in between. So in terms of the patient flow, we're cleaning in between uh, patients in the rooms to make sure everything is clean and safe. Uh, so the productivity in general within my business has slowed down. But again, I'm thankful to, to have a practice that's that's running exactly mm-hmm. yeah how do you think once this covid thing is said and done we'll ever get back to normal um i don't think that uh we'll ever get back to the point where we're all like normal per se i think that there's always going to be safeguards mm-hmm. um there will be different strains of variants but over time as our bodies get used to interacting with this type of virus and other variants we're going to have less of a effect on our body because currently right now the mortality rate is is really the the concern but mm-hmm. moving forward as our bodies get used to and develop immunity and antibodies for against the uh, virus there's going to be uh, less of a less of a mortality rate and we'll be okay mm-hmm. but that's probably going to be years from now because the way i'm looking at this is let's say covid starts to slow down the numbers are going down and everything's getting back to what we whatever we call normal will forever for the rest of our lives be seeing people with face mask on or you have one of those because a lot of people always like to have own personal space but now it's like if you're in someone's bubble that could really cause commotions so me what i'm what i'm saying is once this is all said and done i feel like there will still be people living as if nothing's changed right if that's, that makes sense that's true well there's different types of of people that are out there um obviously the people who who live their life and you know don't really worry about it and let things go as they go and then there's the other extreme where people haven't left their houses still because they're still concerned about it um 
you know, each person, the way I look at it is, is to each their own. But what I really find the, uh, the detrimental effects are is with our younger kids. Mm. If you look at those kindergarten kids in the grade oneers right now, they've never had a situation where they could actually come to class and hug their best friend. They've come to the school mid-COVID and are told not to be within six feet of each other, not to touch each other not to do that like my daughter is nine years old and so luckily pre-covid i remember her hugging her best friends every time they would leave after school mm -hmm. uh sitting in group circles sitting in the auditorium or in the gym watching a sh like watching uh the christmas shows and, and whatnot and and you see all these these things that that are are that we took it took for granted uh within our, the upbringing of our children and it's it's gone to the point where it's normal for them to not touch each other or mm. it's normal for them to not hug each other and say goodbye so that's really where my concern is in, in the long-term effects of, of what covid is doing socially wow mm -hmm. so you think the younger kids are the ones that are be most affected when it comes to this um yes uh one thing about the young generation like the like i said the kindergartners and the one-year-olds is they're very resilient you know mm. children are very resilient you you put them in a bad situation they'll find a way to be happy mm. uh, but again the, the key here is is them having that upbringing of of not being able to to feel that it's okay to hug their friend or whatnot you know that's really the the psychological impact in the long run so there's going to be one or two generations uh, you know at, at that age that really uh, I'm going to always question like how are they going to be when they're in their teens how are they going to be when they're adults because that's what their upbringing is uh you know during the time when their their formative years are, are happening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow yeah. so with what you do back to what you do um when did the love for it come in because i assume you can't be doing what you're doing right now if yeah. you don't love it yeah absolutely so um i i lived in winnipeg um and i i got my organic chemistry degree back then and i i actually got into pharmacy uh, you know, I was at a crossroads and I was looking into going into some sort of healthcare field, but I decided uh, to go into natural, natural medicine, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, so instead of looking at it from the pharmaceutical angle, I'm looking at it from, instead of fixing it with medication and drugs, let's try to fix problems and, and issues with, with rehabilitation, with uh, exercise, with chiropractic. So I got into chiropractic because of the need to go into some form of natural health, natural healthcare. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, what school did you attend for? Was it here in our city? Was it out the city? So yeah, I uh, I lived in again. I lived in in Winnipeg, and so what I ended up doing was I got into chiropractic school down in in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So wow. um, it's a great city. Um, the school is called Northwestern Health Sciences University. Amazing school. It's you know at the time it was one of the top top five schools in North America for for chiropractic, um, mm -hmm. um, and you know and at that point you know you you kind of uh, decide you know the direction you want to go in. And for me, chiropractic is 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 you can fix people, help people, get things, get people better without the use of drugs and medication. So wow. that's the reason why I did that. Yeah. Um, whenever someone get into an injury and then they find out they have to come to you do you ever have people that are skeptical about about you cracking bones or anything like yeah, that yeah so I, I would say earlier on when i first started uh 
uh, my practice. Um, I that's been over over ten years now. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, people would always be very skeptical. You know, I, I look a lot younger than than uh, I I. I present. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm actually a lot older than what I look, so people are always questioning uh, my uh, intelligence or my experience in in the field. Uh, so once they they realize, you know, that I do know what I'm talking about, then they get really comfortable. But I do remember uh, when I first started my practice, um, I would see patients, and they would be getting really good results, getting better. Then they would go to the family doctor to do an update, and then they'd stop seeing me. Mm-hmm. And I'd always wonder why. So I'd call the patient up, and I'd be like, hey, you know what? How are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm getting better. Everything's going great. And I'm like, well, how come you haven't come back? And so they basically said, well, I went to my family doctor to, to follow up with them. And then they, I told them that I was seeing you. And then they basically told me, oh, you know, you got to stop seeing the chiropractor. It's bad for you, and, and, and you got to go do this instead. And I'm like, how do you feel about that? And they're like, I really don't believe them because I am getting better. However, I have to listen to my family doctor. So starting a practice back at that time, it was very like uh, frustrating. So I, I initially started to try to approach those doctors individually to talk to them and introduce myself in the neighborhood saying, hey, I'm Dr. Seacat. Uh, you know, I work with rehab, I work with patients. And a lot of them were, you know, hi, thank you, see you later. So I would never really change their opinion. So. I went back into my office one day and I said, well, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. So I changed my strategy when I worked with patients. So what I basically did is when I started getting them better, I ended up sending them back to their family doctor directly and specifically telling them, hey, look, tell your family doctor that Dr. Seacat has gotten you better. So instead of sending them as a as a you know prog- a progress report, I send them at the end of their treatment plan where they're 100% better. Mm-hmm. So... When they go back to the family doctor, they basically turn around and would say, hey, you know what? You didn't fix me, Dr. Seacat did, and he did a great job, and I'd go back again. And by that point, uh, you can't change the doctor's opinion about my profession, but you can change the doctor's opinion about who I am as the doctor who has treated this person. So over the years, rather than trying to convince them that chiropractic works, they've heard my name over and over enough to know that I work, so I get wow. them better. So, so it's all about establishing yourself as a reputation. You can't change a person's opinion about what they believe in inherently about your practice, your profession, even your job or whatever, but you can show them that you are good at what you do. And over time, when people hear your name being a positive influence in their life, they're gonna accept you as that particular profession that helps people. So nowadays, the doctors in my area, when they hear my name, they never bat an eye. They're like, oh, good, keep going. Yeah. So it, it takes time. Uh, but once you understand that it's not that doctor's fault or the perception of the people who are scared of chiropractic, it's it's really uh, who you are as a person uh, and what you do for them that is really what is the qualifying factor as to your success or failure. Wow. Yeah. Because um, when I, when I first got into my accident, I was going to, in my insurance, they just wanted to give me one, whatever was closest to me. And at the time when I lived west, it was the one in Bellmead. Mm. I don't remember what the name of it was, but it was the one in Bellmead. And then when I got a lawyer, this is take two. Go ahead. Um, so uh, like like I was saying, when I got into my accident, um, my insurance just told me to go to Bellmead. 
the Bellamy chiropractor. But um, once I got the, the lawyer involved in the situation, he was asking me, who am I going to? Am I going to a chiropractor? I told him I was going to the one in Bellmead. Bellmead? I have a guy for you. And that's when your name came up. I was with my mom at the time. And my mom kind of, she kind of remembered the name. But it's just, you know, her English isn't fully there. Of course, yeah. So when she, when she heard the name, she's like, oh, something about that name sounded kind of familiar. And it's when, when I drove to your place, oh, you, you're going to love this place. <laughs> like, no way. But like, with stuff like that, it's just, I find it kind of hard to do. Because you got to locate the area and know what you're doing. Because obviously, I'm coming from an ignorant point of view. I don't know much about what you do. But I feel as though if you were to crack the wrong area, mm. that person could be... And a lot of yeah there's there's obviously different factors I- involved when you're assessing somebody and treating them um, you, you know you can you definitely can hurt somebody if, if you if you don't know what you're doing but at the same time the fact of the matter is is in regards to like liability in my practice um, it is very low to actually hurt somebody uh, or, or do something catastrophic uh, that most people hear happens on the news so for instance i'll give you an example like um your 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 malpractice cost uh, my malpractice cost is a direct uh reflection of the risk involved in what i do mm-hmm. you understand that right mm-hmm. so so if i hurt somebody my malpractice covers me wow. so for instance i'll give you an example of how safe chiropractic is um with my car insurance i'm paying like you know 100 150 for my car monthly that basically tells me that it the, the insurance company uh, charges me $150 to drive a car to protect me to protect my car because that is the risk involved in driving that car uh, because there's a certain liability so it costs me $150 to allow me to drive to be covered for insurance my practice my malpractice cost to treat patients in my office uh, on a monthly basis is like $91 a month mm-hmm. so that tells you and it tells me that there is more risk for me to get into a car accident or hurt somebody or do something dumb in my car versus uh, the liability that I have to hurt somebody in my practice. So uh-huh. in the years that I've been practicing, you know, there has never been any, any issues or, or injuries and, and, and so forth that have happened in my practice, nor do I know anybody that has. Again, anytime that something pops up, it's always on the news, but you know, at the end of the day, it's few and far between. Wow. Okay. So, um, with a job like this, I always assume you have more good patients than bad. But with the bad ones, can you give can you give a quick story on the? Obviously, you don't have to drop names, but can you give a story on the worst patient you've had? Like, was he just not cooperating every time he wanted to crack a bone? He would be fidgeting a lot. It's it's not about it's not necessarily about like the fidgety part of it. It's about uh, patients who you know. It's not even really worse patients. Everybody, there's always good people and bad people. I think uh, I remember one story in regards to patients. It's, it's really about compliance. Um, patients questioning uh, you as a doctor as to whether you are, you are doing things right mm-hmm. and then them being belligerent in regards to uh, what you're doing with them. Um, also, patients a lot of times... The hardest part is is I've had great experiences with my patients. I have very few that that aren't nice to me or and vice versa. But I always find that when they my my front desk always tells me this is that uh, when they 
when the patients walk into the office, they treat the front desk completely different mm. uh, versus how they treat me. So the front desk, they treat them like they are, don't exist and they're rude to them. And the second I pop in there, they light up and they become like a completely different person and I bring them back and treat them and they're great people in the back. And then when they come up, you know, they revert back to the, okay, the doctor's gone, I'm gonna be really bitchy or whatever to the staff, which, you know, it is what it is. And I, I you know, there's, there's some patients that, that are like that. But in terms of, of actual bad patients, um, Again, it, I guess it's it's really about compliance. I've never had a person really be disrespectful in the office. You know, maybe during COVID, I, there was a, I remember one woman who refused to wear a mask or was compliant, and I had to ask them, hey, you have to wear a mask and all this because, and this was during the peak part of COVID. Oh, okay. It wasn't now, it was in the very, very beginning because that was what was mandated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was just being nice about it. Um, and and you know they weren't very happy and they said you know what I'm just gonna leave and I was like I'm sorry but you know this is the what it's the, the rules exactly the government rules I mean I mean it's not my rules it's the government rules right and so at the end of the day they decided to leave and I was like I'm sorry but you know I I, I have to you know follow the rules set by my association and and the bylaws otherwise we're gonna shut down they're gonna exactly shut down. Uh, the thing is with that what people fail to understand is if they don't follow the rules they don't get in trouble. You and the, your business place is the one that suffer for Absolutely, it. Not yeah. because of that one person. Hundreds of people can't come in, get whatever they need to get because the one person decided to be above everybody else. Absolutely. Which yeah. sucks. And that's the thing. I mean, and I understand everybody's frustration. And, I, you know, I just wish them well and, and that was it. But uh, for the most part, I mean, again, going back to COVID, it really puts people on edge. Uh, some people, it, it makes them very defiant uh, because they feel that they're... Their freedoms are, are being taken away from them, yeah. uh, but you know, you and me being being immigrants and stuff and, and whatnot, and your parents being immigrants rather, it's it's you know we're blessed to be in this country. That's mm. that's how I look at it. So so for the most part, you know, I, I take everything that people say or do with a grain of salt mm. because I have my own problems to, to deal with right on exactly. a daily day basis or today a day to day basis, and you know my upbringing of my nine year old daughter, all those things that that come into play. Wow. Yeah. So, God forbid, but let's say something happens to you and you need mm. what you do to other people. Who do you go to? Well, we have a group of people uh, that we work, that we meet up mm-hmm. regularly. We, we sit down and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll catch up on our, our, our week or our month and we'll adjust each other. And, and again, I've got a number of, of friends that are chiropractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always, it's very important for me to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So... I'll call them up, get my adjustments. They call me up, they come in, get their adjustments. It's very mutual respect. We all know that you know our jobs are very demanding. We're physically, uh, you know, working on people. You know, obviously, like I'm not a big, big guy per se, but there's patients in my clinic that are like six five, two hundred and fifty pounds, Jeez. football players. So yeah. I'll work on them. So I, I'm, I'm like my job is very physical. So at times I'm going to need those adjustments, and I just pick up the phone and call like one of my chiropractic uh, uh, colleagues and we just adjust each other wow so so whenever um so the thing that you do you're obviously always on uh people that are into sports is is this something mandatory if you're into sports um can you get away with just stretching before you you do whatever you you gotta do i feel that the the chiropractic has come a long way Mm. um every sports team now has a chiropractor on their team uh because 
the the sports uh, the athletes they they feel that they need more than just the massage or the stretch or the strengthening uh, nowadays alignment and proper biomechanics is so important in in the function of an athlete that every little thing counts for them mm-hmm. um, I always explain to athletes that because you're at a high level elite uh, position than most people are one simple adjustment is going to allow you to feel like you've had an extra day's rest and recovery. Wow. So that in itself is an advantage for a lot of these athletes. Wow. Um, what type of benefits have you been receiving with this? Like, do you, have you been getting more connections? Or let's say you work on someone, they say, oh, I love the work that you did. My back was feeling one way. I feel good now. I'd like for you to come and eat with my family. Mm-hmm. What type of things have you ran into with yeah, this? Yeah, no, you know, uh, being in my profession, obviously... I get a lot of referrals from from happy patients. Um, my reputation within neighborhood uh, and you know Western Edmonton, I get a lot of uh, referrals from medical doctors, um, lawyers, all sorts of different uh, uh, aspects of, of of business. So I get a lot of re- referrals that way. Um, one of the the I lost my train of thought. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, what I was asking is some of the benefits when oh, you're right. doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Specifically, what do you mean by benefits? Just, like, just anything. Um, let's say. Oh, like, like. Okay, yes, I, I yeah. Um, you know, being in my practice, you know, I, you know, over ten years, um, I've met a lot of families who've, who've had children and have brought their kids in, and I've seen them grow up. Um, and so I've extended all of my, you know, hospitality to everybody in my office. So whenever a person comes into my clinic. It feels like it's home. I'm very jovial with them. I'll sit there and I'll shoot the shit with them, and mm. and they'll, sh- you know, you know, we'll go back and forth like we're we're, we're friends, you know, yeah. like we're we're drinking buddies or we're we go to church together, it, you know. It, I create a good uh, professional but uh, kind uh, and hospitable relationship with every patient that has come in. Um, I've I have had met, uh, met met a lot of people outside of the clinic, and and. Uh, um, them recognizing me and, and talking to me. So it makes you feel good. So yeah. one aspect of, of my practice as well that I remember uh, telling myself when I first started was I want to get to that point where if I go out to eat in my neighborhood in one of the rec- regular restaurants, uh, a general rule for me is I have to face away from everybody towards the wall. Because if I'm facing towards the crowd, there, was, there would inevitably be somebody coming up to me saying, hey, Dr. Seacat, Hi, nice to see you, which yeah. is great, but it interrupts your meal. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to do anything. But the good thing about that is is it allows me to know that I'm very well respected in the community. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if I walk through uh, Safeway, I would rather someone come up to me and be, Hey, how are you doing, Dr. Cat? As opposed to seeing me and then turning around and walking away. Because yeah. that's just showing me that I'm not, that may have been a patient of mine. Maybe they didn't you know feel they had they had good treatment or whatever and then they just walked and did you know a, a 180 and, and, and didn't want to talk to me so yeah. so the barometer of my success for me within the neighborhood is the fact that i have to face you know a wall because people will always talk to me so yeah. it's a measure of my success so I, I'm, wow. I'm happy that way you know okay so, okay uh-huh. um any plans for when the time come do you have any plans for retirement or do you plan on just traveling the world driving luxurious cars <laughs> You know, um, I love what I do. I love the people 
uh, that come in. I, I love being able to help people. I, I hear stories every day about, you know, the positivity that I've uh, had in affecting their lives, getting them out of pain or getting them more mobile or giving them a, a, a life where they can get up, travel, uh, you know, bring their children to the mountains or do more active things with their family because they're out of pain. Um, I would be, I'm going to probably be doing this till, you know, till I can't do it anymore. However, mm. at the same time as well, I do want to uh, reduce my, my hours and my days and travel more, take more right. vacations, just enjoy life. You know, you, you, you work hard, uh, so there's, there's got to be a point where you have to uh, allow yourself to, to live life. And, and, you know, I've gone through school for like 10 or 12 years or whatever, <laughs> practice my practice, and, and now is the time to really enjoy Wow. Yeah. Um, when you're doing what you're doing, how do you find the bone to crack? Like, is there something you f- is there is there like a bubble inside that no, you feel? No, you know, I, people always ask me that. Um, uh, the best way to explain it is is like for instance, like I've been doing this for so long. I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm feeling, and I know what's good and bad, and what needs to move, and and what doesn't need to move, and what needs to move to help this person. It's kind of like the analogy that I always use is like if there's a football field I see every problem that I need to address like as though there's watermelons sitting on the football field Mm. so I can visually see hey I gotta get that 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 and that fix this Uh, in my head my mind races to to understand what I need to do to get things moving get things better get things in alignment so it's like uh, finding watermelons on a football field that's I guess how obvious it is to me yeah Right, so if I look at your back, that's basically it. I can basically be like, okay, this needs to move. This needs to move. So you could you could just look at it. No, oh, I I I'd have to feel it. Of course, oh, I'd have feel to it, move it, it around. But point being is is when I say assess it, it's like assessing it with my hands, assessing it with my vision, assess assess it with range of motion, assess it with with how that person is responding to my my push, my prod, my adjustment to know that you know what I'm doing the right thing to get this person better. And again. I'm always I've I've I, I'm pretty confident in my abilities to to really try to fix everything that I can. You know, my one my one curious thing, um, because sometimes I don't know why I know there's a lot of people like this where hearing bone crack is just satisfying. Mm-hmm. There's this one where they put the stretchy rope like yeah. on your neck and then they, they, they pull, pull the yeah, neck yeah, up. Yeah. What is that stretchy? Yeah, you know, the, the, and 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 I've seen that video a lot where they 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 put the the neck thing and then they yank on it and, yeah. and you go yeah. all the way through so you know I, I I don't want to necessarily say anything good or bad about those types of things all I have to say is, is I personally don't do that to my patients um, personally you know some chiropractors feel like they will mm-hmm. um, for me there is no benefit to that when you're working with patients in my professional opinion for my practice um you know i can talk on and on about the my cons about it but i just won't do that right now you know it's 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 a professional respect to those people who do do that right yeah uh um when it comes to this do you think uh this could help people with mental health absolutely absolutely how's that chronic pain is is one huge issue when it comes to mental health Imagine not being able to get up and just walk to the bathroom without having a, a cane. Uh, imagine not being able to go play basketball. Imagine 
being you know 25 and and uh, unable to play football because you blew out your hip or your back and you can't even pick up a piece of paper you can't even put on your socks uh, over time that's going to impact you because all your friends who are you know stars of the football team or stars of the basketball team you're not with them you're you're, you're at home because you're in pain so psychologically you're going to have physical impacts and you're going to have psychological stress anxiety and sometimes it can be irreversible so wow. if you don't have the ability to, to understand that hey you can get this problem with chronic pain fixed you got a dead end mm. there's chronic pain now there's there's mental stress mental anguish so you're never going to get outside of that so it absolutely affects the mental health of any individual wow and i see it in my practice a lot like i see not just young people i see the like older people where where you've got people who who, who are in my office crying because they can't pick up their daughter or or they can't even put on their shoes or or you know all sorts of different stories i hear that a lot you you so at the end of the day you know mental mental stress is is a big factor of chronic pain Mm. So you feel as though what you do is a good start to help you Absolutely. feel better. Absolutely, later yeah. On. You know, you know. Aside from from that, when when I when a person walks into my office and they're in pain and they're like, you know, I hurt my back. I can't even bend over, or touch my my feet, or bend over to brush my teeth. I, I work with them. I do some 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 movements, uh, adjustments, rehabilitation, stretching. Uh, and then when they leave after after just one visit, and they're like dude i feel great like yeah. thank you so much like i mean it, it, it will you know it's the gratitude that they they give to me that that keeps me going because i know that it works uh, i know that if if i can't help people and i'm a really bad like doctor i'm gonna have complaints as opposed to hugs and that's not a, a very fun way to, to to practice your business you know I, i'd rather have people hug me and say thank you then people say, you know, you're a shitty doctor or you're whatnot, right? Mm. So at the end of the day, um, looking at it from that perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is my last question sure. to you. Um, do you think us men, us as men, should speak more on mental health? Because I was doing a lot of uh, research on this. Uh, when it comes to suicide numbers, it's mostly in men. And it, um, some people are saying men go through a lot, but they keep to themselves because as a man, you should be able to do this. You should be the toughest one. You should like crying shouldn't be a thing for you. Do you think us as men should be able to talk to one another, get our feelings out there? Just what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mental health nowadays is, is at the forefront of, of, of a lot of uh, uh, issues that have happened, especially with with again going back to covid but yeah to touch on on the fact that sh should men be allowed to be vulnerable yeah absolutely because there is no outlet for for men because we're we've been taught at such a, such a young age uh to grow up keep quiet suck it up take it in and, and just just let it go but sooner or later every person has you know needs an outlet you know men and women um mm. i feel that that uh, there should be more programs out there to allow men to understand and realize that you're allowed to be able to, to talk to other men. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to, to, to feel sadness or, or, 
or stress and there needs to be more outlets because it's still somewhat stigmatized for a man to feel like hey you know what am I allowed to go to the psychologist am I allowed to to uh, have a, a, a group of men sit and, and talk about our problems and and cry with them I am a, a complete advocate of that and and if, if men are allow themselves to become more vulnerable with other men, um, there will be much uh, more, uh, there would be a lot less, you know, aggression uh, mm. out there towards each other and to, to, to relationships and partners and, and to the opposite sex. So I wow. think that, that's, uh, you know, you know, I, I'm totally in, in agreement with, with having more programs and teaching men how to be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that's all I got to ask you. Awesome. What I like yeah. to end things off is, is there anything you want to ask me? You know, I I, uh, I just wanted to, to say that, uh, you know, uh, you, I commend what you're doing. Uh, you're a very motivated person. Um, I enjoyed our time together today. That's yes, it. Um, this is a, a great uh, opportunity for me to, to see one of the good young ones get up, grow, and, you know, you might be, or you probably will be, you'll be on the, the internet and eventually on TV. And I was I telling you earlier before, you'll be the next cabbie on the street, ah. you know, back in the day. All right, brother. That's the dream. That's yeah. the dream. I want to thank you for coming in. Um, hopefully again in the future, who knows, eight months, a year, three years from now, I'd love to have you on. And next time you're here, maybe I'll have my own studio. Maybe it might be here. It's just more decked out. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. yeah. But I want to thank you for coming in. Feel free to come in whenever yeah. again. All right. And awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, don't forget about us, about us little people when you're up there. Okay, brother? <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going. <laughs>